Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. I am Stephanie, and this is episode 64 of season three, uh, originally published on February 18th, 2021. So how are you doing in the month of February? Uh, February for me and us here in the Midwest has been, um, we're only halfway through the month or a little bit more, but snowmageddon. We have had snowstorm after snowstorm after snowstorm. (laughs) And I'm recording this first segment on Tuesday the 16th. So... Uh, it started snowing on the 15th and it ended sometime this morning. Um, yeah, and we got 18 inches of snow in one day. For us, that's a lot. That is a blizzard, I'm telling you. I shoveled when I got home from work. Then my husband shoveled when he got home from work. And it was as if I'd never shoveled because <laughs> there was the same amount of snow. And then when uh, he got up, early, super early in the morning, he shoveled again. And then when I was up, I was like, I cannot believe there's like another (laughs) five inches of snow on the ground. It was just never ending shoveling. And um, it's crazy. It really is. I, I do love though that peaceful insulation and when it is snowing, but when you get so much, I mean, it was just coming down and down and the snow piles couldn't keep up and the roads were all messy and dangerous. Uh, so that part of it, I don't really love. But um, now here we are the day after. And it always seems like the day after these like horrific storms comes this like beautiful, calm, serene day. And that's exactly what today is. The sun is out so beautifully. This is a beautiful day. The sky is blue. The sun is out. The snow looks beautiful. And um, yeah, so it's just, I've been posting in my Instagram stories, like little videos of uh of me and Cooper doing our walks in the snow and not of me shoveling, but just like showing the amounts of snow we got. Um, And then even today, uh, the fire truck was out front uh, and they were going from fire hydrant to fire hydrant, um, digging the snow out from there. Uh, So the snow is really high. There's like mountains of snow outside and there's nowhere for it to go. I mean, we just, where do you shovel it now? There's like, you know, the, 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 the mountain of snow next to me is like as high, if not higher than me, my, myself. And of course we have a snowblower, but it has been in the repair shop for the last two and a half weeks. And, uh, they are waiting for our carburetor part. It's just crazy. I guess when we get our snowblower back, guess what? It's not going to snow anymore. (laughs) That's like Murphy's Law, right? Oh, it is crazy. And remember when I uh, talked about last episode where people here, um, when they like dig out their parking space um, on the street, 
uh, they will tend to put chairs there or whatever to save their spot uh, because it is backbreaking work to shovel your car like snow dig your car out of the snow uh so that's what people do around here well uh, on the news they were showing how creative some people were getting uh with their space savers and they had uh frozen two pairs of of jeans and i don't know how they did it but they they had to have stuffed it with something um, after they had gotten them wet and then they probably just put them outside to freeze because it has been like sub-zero temperatures here as well. Uh, but they look so cool. They're just like these, it's like an invisible person wearing the, the jeans. So I thought, I thought that was clever. And, um, you know, it's just a, it's a fun way to deal with um, something that, you know, you could kind of like be grumbling and complaining about with all the snow. But um, yeah, I like that. So I made a quilt. Yes, from start to finish. I started a quilt the Friday before and finished it this past Sunday. So nine days, nine days for me to start and completely finish quilted, bound and labeled in nine days is really good for me. It's fat. That's like a fast quilt for me. I know some people do it even faster, but um, yeah, and I love it. It's really, really nice. And, you know, on Instagram, people have been posting pictures of quilts in the snow. Like there's there's this whole thing of like photographing your quilts while you're standing in the snow or the quilts on the snow. And I was like, I want to I want a picture of my quilts in the snow. <laughs> But uh, there's so much snow here. It's not like I could go stand in the snow because it's like up to my waist. Uh, so I was just trying to find a way where I could photograph it. So I got my I got my photograph of the quilt um, outside where it's out there with the snow. Um, but uh, I'll post it in the show notes on my podcast page. Uh, this quilt is a gift for someone who just had open heart surgery and it went well. And I don't know, I don't know if this happens with you, but you know, when things like this um, kind of come up and happen, um, it was just like um, a day or two after I found out, uh, I just thought, I need to make them a quilt. And it's kind of like that thing that's sort of like, is that little voice in your head and it's telling you and, and you're just like, like, like that one, the Kevin Costner movie, Field of Dreams, if you make it, they will come. So it was kind of like that with me. And then I just started pulling fabrics and I searched for a pattern that was simple enough that I knew I could get done uh, and um, got it done in nine days. And it was, it was fun. It got a little stressful, uh, in some parts, but I just stepped away and, uh, told myself that you're not getting paid for this. No one asked you to make this quilt, so don't worry about it. <laughs> and, and then when I went back, um, the next morning to continue working on it, it was so much better. And of course, I think like when you're just so into it and um, I had been working on it for hours and hours and it just um, gets to you and then you start getting really like irritated and things start going wrong 
And then you start thinking like, all oh, the stuff is wrong with it, but it really isn't. So I've learned, I'm glad I've learned to do that, but it still gets like, I still find myself getting into that situation and getting like super stressed out and anxiety and everything. But at least once I recognized it, I was able to, uh, yeah, talk myself off the ledge. So I'll tell you a little bit about this quilt. It's, it's, um, I don't think it's a new pattern at all. It's been out for a while. It's called uh, Pixelated Quilt. The pad, that's the pattern name, Pixelated Quilt. And it is on the Robert Kaufman site uh, under their patterns tab. And um, the designer of this quilt pattern is by Blue Elephant Stitches. So I'm going to put links to um, that um, site where you can download this pattern if you want to. It's all squares. It's all five inch squares. So, um, but it's kind of big for a throw quilt. It's like 75 inch square. Uh, and I used uh, a charm pack for the heart uh, in addition to a couple of fat quarters of some mammoth flannel. And um, for the background, I used Essex linen. One of my favorite fabrics of all time is Essex linen. Uh, and the back backing fabric is um, mammoth flannel in a gray and a red plaid. So this is everything that I've had in my stash. I had everything I needed. And, uh, you know, that charm pack I had, this is what's good about um, some of the online shops. Uh, and there's that one that you know uh, that sends out a daily deal. And so I got that one red Wilmington five carat ruby or something like that. Uh, but it's like really cool deep reds of all different kind of like tone on tone patterns. Uh, so I just I just got that on a daily deal because I really liked the color and the way these looked. Um, and uh, here I am, I ended up using it. So sometimes kind of stocking up on things like that for future projects is a good thing to do. Um, and it helps a lot when it's like 40% off. But I've been trying to, you know, make more measured uh, purchases when things like that come up. And I put a lot of thought into like, is this something that I can definitely pull from my stash in the future? Uh, or is this just like some like, you know, random <laughs> thing that uh, I, I'm not going to like the fabrics when I look at it or, you know, it, it's just that sort of thing. So um, I, I've been getting better and I've been using things that I've purchased uh, not too long after. So I, I like how that's going. So when this podcast airs on the um, 18th is when uh, QuiltCon together uh, starts. Um, well, they had the award ceremony, I think the evening before, but the 18th is when all the workshops and some of the lectures are starting. And uh, so I'm, I think I'm pretty prepared. I, there's this one thing I do have to prepare for it, um, for the hand quilting class, you have to have a um, sandwich, a quilt sandwich, uh, ready for that. And I have a quilt top, uh, and it's a small, it's like a mini quilt. It's probably like a twenty-four 
inch square, maybe a 30 inch square at the most uh, of a, a center star pattern. Um, it's one of the first, it's actually the second quilt top I've ever made uh, years ago, like back in 2010. And um, I have never quilted it. So I am pulling that out of the storage box and um, uh, find a backing for it. And that will be uh, used in my hand quilting class with Sarah Filkey. Uh, so I've got a couple of borrow mending, a borrow mending class and a borrow quilt class. Uh, so that's just the hard part about like these the preparing for these workshops is that uh, there these classes call for some of them call for a lot of uh, supplies. Some of them sell kits. And um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> And this is like kind of crept up on me. I can't believe that it's already here. Uh, so I think it's with all the, like the snowstorms and stuff that is just um, kind of uh, taking up so much of our time that um, I haven't even had a chance to really like get super ready for it. But I'm going to have to because it's like in two days from the time I'm recording this. If you are also attending or participating in the virtual QuiltCon together this week, uh, it, let me know. You can um, add a comment uh, to the Instagram post for this episode. You can uh, post a comment on my podcast page um, where I put the show notes. Um, so I'm just really interested to hear, uh, what the different, uh, workshops that people are taking. And I will definitely, um, report back to you guys in the next episode on how all of those workshops went for me. All right. So I just have one recommendation of what I've been watching, uh, because it's a, it's a long episode. So, um, I just, this, this one recommendation is that good that I, I do want to, um, tell you about it. Uh, it is a movie and I think it was released in 2018 or 2019. Uh, it follows the lives of a couple in California who purchase, um, uh, land and, and start a farm from scratch. And uh, it follows their lives from 2010. This is when it started. Uh, and um, it's very endearing. It won, I think, a bunch of film awards, too. Um, but I hadn't heard of it until we just watched it this past weekend. It's so good. It is just good in every single way. And um, the cinematography is amazing. Um, and from where they started to where they're at now um, is also like just so like interesting to watch. Uh, the land that they had was like completely desolate and barren and dead, very dead. Like there were no, you know, bees, birds, animals, that sort of thing. And um, they, they hired this one um <clears throat> consultant who really gave them the plan of what they have to do and how they had to create this bio. Oh, I forgot. It's like a biodynamic um, like environment with the land that um, integrates all the wildlife and the wildlife have this, you know, the circle of life, but they, everyone like has a different um, contribution to nature and to watch this transformation take place over a period of like eight years, 
uh, was just truly just amazing. Um, so I really highly recommend this documentary. It is the biggest little farm. All right, so I'm really excited about our guest today, uh, who is Pam Cobb from the Hip to Be a Square podcast. Uh, so we start the podcast off uh, by talking about pets because we both have pets and um, they're very important in our lives. So if you are not interested in pets at all, you can feel free to fast forward to about the, I don't know, 36, 37 minute mark. Somewhere, somewhere around there. And then from that point on, it is all about quilting. All right. And then just one little update since the time we recorded this. We recorded this episode in early January, uh, just to give you a time reference. But we talk about quilt guilds and I talk about like my experience with my local uh, Chicago Modern Quilt Guild and how then I switched back to individuals. So I renewed my membership with the Chicago Modern Quilt Guild just uh, about a week or so ago, and I'm really excited about it. I cannot wait to reconnect and socialize with uh, quilters again. All right, so here is my conversation with Pam Cobb from the Hip to Be a Square podcast, and she was also on the Stitch TV show. Um, It was the YouTube channel she did with Lynn. So I'm so, so excited to have Pam from Hip to Be a Square podcast um, and I've been wanting Pam to come on my show for a while. And I finally, finally asked her, <laughs> well, because she was so, so busy before. And I just felt like I shouldn't ask <laughs> at that time. So, um, welcome Pam. Hello. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very flattered you asked. It's always like, oh, someone knows who I am. Oh gosh. Wow. Pressure. Don't mess it up. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I, I, I've listened to you for a long time and, um, before I started podcasting and, um, you know, you were, you're like in that group with Francis where you guys have been podcasting for a decade, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. October 15th ish is about like my 10 year anniversary. And so I had, (laughs) I released a podcast around then. (laughs) For this year, for 2020. Oh, yeah, I listened yeah, to Yeah, like nothing uh-huh. sets. And I'm like, mm, I think. And and so I will just be honest with you. And I did drop a little nugget in the Facebook group for the the twilters, as we called ourselves, like mm. the tweeting quilters that is now on Facebook. And <laughs> we didn't want to be the twilters, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so we kept the name. But I decided to just officially shut down my podcast because I realized mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have the, I don't have it in me mm-hmm. to like commit to doing the regular stuff. I'm like, I think that season is over. I just want yeah. to make stuff. But that's, it happens. Um, I mean, with a lot of people, they, they'll do it for a few years and, you know, the, either they've, you know, move, are moving on to something else that's taking their full attention because podcasting is a lot <sighs> of work. It is. It is so much work. <laughs> yeah. And I was never one to be super into doing a lot of editing. I would just like plunk down with a microphone and record some chit chat about some podcasting. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a cat yelling in the background and I'm probably going to like have a coughing fit and I might remember to mute, (laughs) but I didn't, I never went back and like edited out ums or, you know, thoughtful pauses. I'm like, well, it's just part of how I talk. And so I never did a lot of like post editing other than to make sure like my music cues were kind of lined up and I wasn't 
talking crazy. But honestly, I didn't really study audio editing. So I, it's not like I had a ton of skills. <laughs> yeah, I know. I learned it on the fly myself. And yeah. uh, I, I do edit, but I don't edit my ums and stuff. But like when I'm recording solo um, episodes or like my segment one part, though, mm-hmm. um, I... It, I do have to edit out some stupid stuff. That I'm like, oh, I, I'll say it. And then I go back and I'm like, why did I say that? And I'll just do a little clip and clip it out. But but other than that, but it's still, you know, that takes some time. And Yeah. Occasionally I realize I swore and I didn't mean to. I'm like, my mom didn't need to hear that. She knows I know that word, but she doesn't need to hear me say it. <laughs> like, there is, there, see, and I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's good that I'm like, so like, kind of OCD about it because I, I'm so worried about like, you know, something going out there and, and people are just yeah. like, what? Cause, and, yeah. and there was one time and you, I, you think you stopped the record button, but you did not And there was something going on with something. And I'm like, what the F is going on here? Yeah. And I went back to edit and I'm like, Oh no, no, no. <laughs> Ooh, we gotta get that. We gotta get that out of there. Oh my god! Thank God I edit. Oh man. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, it was. It's with te- technology. I mean, technology does that to you. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I was really good about not swearing when my kids were younger, but now I'm like, they could totally teach me new words. <laughs> They're in high school now. They know some things. But my daughter's so funny. She's the 14-year-old. And I will, like, drop an S-bomb in front of her. And she'll still look at me like, <gasps> oh, because you're mom. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, it's fine. <laughs> I'm, it's fine. <laughs> you know I know that word. I know you know that word. Uh-huh. I'm sure you've said that word. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Just don't say it in front of your grandparents. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, all right. I want to first start off with um, talking about pets because I don't want to forget to talk about it. And we'll we'll get all like on the quilting (laughs) train and never come back. So (laughs) and um, I know that pets um, are a big part of your life and um, mine, too. I'm like a dog fanatic. If I could have all the dogs in the world, I would. Um, but I have Cooper right now. We used to have three pugs um, before Aww. Cooper. Yeah. So um, you have a dog, Fred. And then do. do you have two or three cats? Three cats. Three cats. One is never appears on camera, uh, but is very active in the background, like doing parkour on things <laughs> when I'm recording various yeah. things, either like work calls for my day job or, you know, <laughs> Uh, and it's weird. We got them all at the same time because before this kind of batch of pets, I had two cats that were siblings that I adopted right when I graduated college. So I was like 23 and had a bad breakup. And I was like, well, I'm just going to get me some cats and commit to this cat lady life at age <laughs> 23. 23. <laughs> it was a bad breakup. Yeah. <laughs> and I planned to wait because like maybe I'll travel and then, you know. I realize now, like, I don't like to travel. I didn't like it when I was in my 20s. Don't like it now. Ugh. All my cool stuff's at home. Why do I want to leave it? Mm-hmm. And so I had, I was like, well, I'm just going to go get these cats and lean in. And I was volunteering at a cat shelter mm-hmm. um, because that's a thing that I wanted to do to try and make friends. Guess what I made friends with? A bunch of middle-aged cat ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I was like, this found my people. <laughs> that's hilarious. And uh, they... 
Ah. They were weird cats. Like one of them had a soy allergy. I had to make her cat food <laughs> because most of the cat food back then had soy in it. And so oh, I had wow. to like make cat food, which is weird, like pork shoulder and canned pumpkin, all this stuff. Anyway, um, they, they both uh, died within two weeks of each <gasps> other. And so these cats that I had had, like I met my husband, yeah. we had our kids, and then these cats both died within two different two different types of cancer. And oh. and this Fred had been hanging out at the airport. My husband's an aviation mechanic um, at a small county airport, not like the Atlanta airport. That would okay. be crazy. <laughs> um, but it's like the little two and four seater planes. And so this someone had dumped this dog there. And he's like, this dog, it's super cool. And I think you should meet him. And I'm like, do I want a dog? I don't know. My cats are dying of cancer. Oh. So, um, and so the day that I had to put, had to put my second cat down, down my husband brings the dog home and I'm just like are you kidding me bringing a dog home and I just had to put my cat down that was serendipity though I was a little angsty about the dog I was just kind of looking at him like I don't know about you kid Mm. but he was very sweet he is he's about the size of the biggest cat he's like a 20 pound dog yeah he looks so sweet you 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 have like you know the pictures of him and stuff he's a very chill little dude Mm -hmm. and uh everyone's like what kind of dog is he like he's brown (laughs) we don't know he's a brown dog (laughs) i think he might be a quilt terrier because he loves to like burrow inside of quilts and blankets and all the things uh but he he likes to fun police the cats so Fred came home on like a Wednesday night and Saturday I was like, we're going to the cat shelter and adopting more cats. So I like went and took one of every color because uh, <laughs> of a black and white, a brown and an orange cat. Aww. And they're all kind of close in age. And so they've all kind of, you know, become a family together with us. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, we're kind of outnumbered, it feels like, because when I'm home working now and now I'm just surrounded by animals, like, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> what, what have I done to myself? <laughs> But they're, Fred is so funny about the cats because he he would get riled up and try to fun police them like they'd have fun and he'd go and like bust up the fun and shoot <laughs> yeah. and chase them away from their toys and we're like stop and he'd get yelled at a lot. Aww. And it's so funny now because everyone's kind of mellowed in you know older middle age and Fred will be asleep on the couch and one of the cats will be like oh I want to sleep on that quilt or blanket or whatever too and they're like you know just kind of sidle up and like fall asleep beside him or like just kind of lean on him or you know and and he'll wake up and just the look on his face he's so giddy he's like it's a kitty like he's so (laughs) excited that the cats like him and that he's not being yelled at for touching him like you're okay Fred he's a little chill dude but he yeah he just had dental surgery he had tooth taken out it's cone of shame he had soft food I had to make dog treats (laughs) because he couldn't have more food oh my goodness yeah this is crazy life I remember the whole all the teeth thing with my pugs because they've got that, I don't, yeah. it's brachio whatever, but it's with smushed in nose, mm-hmm. and um, those types of dogs like Boston Terriers too will have bad teeth because it's all smushed in and their teeth are like they don't get air or oxygen. Yeah, yeah, they're all crowded and back there, and so um, yeah, that was like. Um, unexpected expenses yeah. and they have to anest- Ooh, yeah. anesthetize them every time. So, whoo. Oh my gosh. So now with Cooper, like from day one, I'm like toothbrush, toothpaste. Yep. <laughs> but he's got the long snout and it's different. Like when he, op- when he smiles, all his yeah. teeth are like, you know, they're getting they're air. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can kind of look in there too and see him like, mm-hmm. is everything looking okay? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 
And Fred has a heart murmur too. So there was like extra angst. He has like his daily heart medicine pills. Like I got to get my pills. And oh, he got real like food anxious in this recovery period from the dental surgery because we had to like put his normal heart medicine in there, but like mash it up. Uh You can't just like drop the pill in because they don't want crunchy stuff in his soft food. So we'd like mash up his regular pills and then put in like the antibiotic that he had to go on because he got an infection uh-huh. and and also like the pain meds they wanted to keep him on to wow. mellow him out. I'm like, he's already pretty chill. Yeah. He's going to be unconscious if you mellow him out too much. Right. <laughs> so it would take so long to prep dinner and he would just start like whining and barking and he's not a vocal dog. So it was mm-hmm. like, simmer down, kid. Like we're, we're getting it. <laughs> so thank goodness we're past all that now. Oh, that's good. And, yeah. And he's, you know, He's just hanging out downstairs with my husband right now in the in the blanket someone bought me that looks like a tortilla. <laughs> so he's a little burrito. <laughs> so so this was just done. So you um you had to do this like during this pandemic going on and things are like I today I took Cooper for his annual. He had to get all his booster shots and um and he had an ear infection. So <sighs> And I, so it was very different. Um, we had yeah. to call ahead and then they would call back when there was like, you know, an opening and then drive there. Then you got to sit in the parking lot in your car, call them again. I'm here. And then they're like, okay, there's like, you know, one or two people in front of you will call you. <laughs> and yeah, then same with us. what they didn't tell me was, cause I thought, oh, okay, we're, they're going to let us go in one at a time. Well, they're That's not right. That's fine. No, nope. I ha- I'm walking in there with Cooper and she's like, okay, well, I'll take him from here. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't go in. She nope. said, no. <laughs> they, like, yeah. They don't want your cooties in there. Yeah. Oh the same with gosh. us where, you know, I, we know we've never had a problem getting an appointment. Um, cause we just have some really good vet that's near us that actually has volunteered for the cat shelter that I volunteer at. So that's like, Ooh, quality vet. They donate mm-hmm. time. Um, and, and yeah, it was like, when you pull in, you have to call. And then they're like, all right, someone will come out and get it. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, well, Fred's kind of short. So I'm like, well, he can't, he's not very good at jumping out of my car because I have an SUV uh-huh. and it's a little high up. <laughs> and so I'm like, you got to lift him down. And so they're treating him like a purse dog. They're just like <laughs> tucking him <laughs> under their arm and carrying him inside. Man, oh. he he was not a fan because he, he kind of figured out like, oh, I'm here to get poked at. Ugh. Cooper knows. He, he, yeah. he'll, he'll know when we're halfway there where we're going and then he'll start his little shaking routine <laughs> in the car oh, and we're yeah. put, but today oh, he hadn't he has not been there for a year um for since his last checkup so he didn't do his usual like oh we're halfway there he was all like oh we're going yeah, somewhere. we're just going for a ride in a pandemic as soon cool. as i pulled into the parking lot it all came back to <laughs> he knew oh. when we were in the parking lot but uh, anyway, it, you know, you have to have a lot of trust in the vet to relinquish your dog to like, you know, trust them that um, are they going to give him the shot? Of course they are. But I mean, you know what I mean? I it's will say like, like I felt that because <laughs> I have two human kids in addition to the four legged ones and they were both born by C-section and I had my tubes tied after my daughter and the the OPTYN that was on call when I went into labor and that did the C-section was not the 
OBGYN that I had been seeing for my pregnancy. It was like this one dude that I saw the one time because he made you see everybody in the practice. And he made a joke about me being barefoot and pregnant when I'm like up in the stirrups at eight months. And I was like, I hate this dude. He's the dude that delivered my daughter. (laughs) Of course he is. (laughs) And, And so I know I was supposed to get my tubes tied. And so like for 15 years, I'm like, did he actually do it? Or have I just lucked out? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Cause this right. dude was so jokey. It was like, yeah. I trust that you actually did the medical procedure that you were supposed to do, but right. I don't know. I know you don't. <laughs> I mean, you have to relinquish a lot of trust for yeah. you know, doctors and, and just like with, um, uh, like the, the teeth extraction, did they really pull t- the teeth and was, did he really need that many teeth? <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. And his <laughs> breath was trusting. real funky. So we needed some done. <laughs> yeah. 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 But anyway, I was just like, oh, thank goodness. I really trust him. Cause, uh, yeah. well, cause I texted my husband and I was like, you know how that little emoji with the angry face, orange, I'm like, they didn't let oh, me yeah. go in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I trust him because our previous vet with the pugs, I said I would never relinquish them after, you know, our experience with them because they were total ripoffs. And uh, we we caught on to it, you know, after a few years and then we switched. But, man, I'm telling you, you have to, yeah. like, look out because it's yeah. just like, they, why do I have well, to they, know, they know they know that they that people will do anything for their pets. So they take advantage. And then stuff was just like astronomically priced it was it's yeah. just crazy but anyway i just wanted to hear about your pets and um because i just uh it's a big part of me and my life and i'm a dog person my husband's allergic to cats and um i don't it's i don't mind cats but um i did have this experience um with my roommate uh when i <laughs> when i was living Look, with a roommate i'm not gonna lie some cats, cats are jerks her one cat was neurotic and he had it in for me so yeah some cats are real peeing on my bed oh yeah and then she let him go she didn't cook or anything so she would let him go all over the kitchen counters across the cooktop and then he would always pee in the kitchen sink and i was just like what oh, is going on gross. here? What's going on here? I'm like with the gloves on and the Clorox and I'm yeah. like, your cat. <laughs> cat pee has some funk to it. Oh, well. yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. So for a while there afterwards, I was like, oh, no, thank you. don't but even you don't mention the word cat to me. Yeah, but, look, more cats for me. All right. So it's fine. <laughs> but the but my sister, my sister had a cat for a long time. This cat was like 22 years old, like when she passed yeah. her and and she was the totally different she was the most perfect cat you could ever have i mean just yeah yeah a lot so. of it depends on kind of how they're socialized when they're kittens mm-hmm. and so i'm i still am in touch with the foster parents that had all three of mine because two of them were in a foster home together and the other one was with a different woman mm. and so i still send them like pictures or tag them in facebook and stuff and and i can tell like ooh, you know it when the time comes, it, you know, when mine pass and I want to adopt more, I'm like, I'm going back to them to be like, I need some more of your quality kittens, please. <laughs> because they're, they're well socialized. They're, yeah. you know, used to other animals. They're good mm-hmm. people, you know, That's really they don't important. mind being around people as opposed my parents had a cat that like just lived under the bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we mm-hmm. called him the dust mop. Bless his heart. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. My mom know, knows that I called him the dust mop. The I did, mom. Mop. I'm sorry. But Cecil Aww. was a dust mop. He was... <laughs> He liked you, but we never saw him when we'd go to visit because he was like, ooh, strangers. And he would just stay under the bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, did he eat? We were there for three days. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> he waited till you guys went to bed. And then, yeah. he, then he hung out <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> so let's move on to your quilting life. And um, it's pretty extensive. And I love hearing about it. <laughs> So I took like a, a intro class at a local quilt shop back in like 2010, but it was just about a quilt top and mm-hmm. I had no idea what to do there. I'm like, like, how do I make it a blanket? You left Please. me hanging. This will not keep me warm. I know. Yeah. And then I took, finally, I took a, um, a free motion quilting class as my first quilting class. Yeah. And um, it just wasn't the right instructor. <laughs> So it was uh, terrified me for a couple of years. So I finally made my first full quilt in 2013. So for me, that's really not that long ago. Um, but you've been quilting for a while, right? Yeah, I, uh, I've actually been sewing since I was five. My grandmother sewed, my mother both sewed, and they did a lot of like homemade clothes. Mm-hmm. And uh, my formative years were the 80s. Me too. I think so we're I made a lot same. of very fashionable peg-legged paisley print pants. Yes. Because that is the fabric that you could buy at the Sofro. <laughs> so <far. laughs> we we had Minnesota fabrics. <laughs> oh. Nice. We had a Joanne's in the Sofro, and the Sofro was in the mall. Okay. Because that's how she she sewing was back in the eighties. <laughs> the mall. Uh, and I I did like my own prom dress, which looked like a wedding dress. That was not a cute look. I'm sure my date was a little unnerved. Um, and then I had done like, I sewed various formal dresses for myself through college. I was in a sorority. And then I made my wedding dress, like a big full on poofy satin <gasps> number. Did. Yeah. Wow. And I got married in the year 2000, right after Y2K. Cause I guess I was an optimist. Like, I'm sure this will be fine. Uh, so our anniversary is coming up in a couple weeks. <laughs> wow. Cool. <laughs> And I don't know why. No, I'm normally like an anxious planner. I don't know why. I was like, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine to get married in January of 2000. What's going to go wrong? Well, I mean, actually nothing. Um, yeah, nothing happened in 2000. Like all of <laughs> fall 1999, I'm like planning the wedding. I just started grad school. I was still working full time. I'm sewing a wedding dress. <laughs> and I was the fundraising chair for the cat shelter. <laughs> and we had our wow. big auction in the fall. I spent a lot of time crying in the fall of 1999. <laughs> Oh and then I, after I've made my wedding dress and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to top that like <laughs> as a piece of clothing. And so I better find something else to sew. <laughs> so I, I, you know, had done pillows and stuff and my new mother-in-law was a quilter and I was like, all right, let me pick up this quilting thing. So we've got something to talk about. Cause I'm not going to give her grand, more grandkids for a while. Cause I just started grad school. Um, <laughs> and my, some of my first quilts, I didn't, go to local quilt shops. I didn't join a guild. I was like, I'm a, I've been sewing for a, a while. I'm going to just figure this out. And so I bought a lot of like cheater panels mm-hmm. and I had the singer that my grandmother gave me when I graduated high school that I had made my wedding dress on and I had a walking foot. I didn't know what it was for. I just used a regular, you know, the default mm-hmm. three, three eighths inch foot. And I would like, buy the polyester batting and I would, I knew to like, Oh, you got to layer it. You know, you got to have your top and your batting and your back. 
I don't know how I basted. It was not very good, however it was. <laughs> and I would just use this regular walking foot and I stitched, it was like this printed panel of kittens or something. I was like, I'll make a quilt and donate it to the shelter to auction off. <laughs> it maybe got like $7. It's not a good quilt. Because I just like, with very bad basting, used this machine to like, stitch the outline of this cat playing with a ball of yarn. Mm-hmm. And I just remember doing it thinking, there's so many turns in this. Like, this is really hard because <laughs> I didn't know free motion. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was a real bad quilt. Uh, I'm sure someone let their cat throw up on it, which is fine because <laughs> <laughs> it needed to be thrown up on. Um, but I, I slowly got better. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I found I took a lot more risks when I was a newer quilter because I didn't know what I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And so when I finally got connected with the group, I was like, well, I've always kind of enjoyed doing volunteer work. So let me find like a quilting group that does volunteer stuff. And so I had found a friend at a mommy blog back then. And so I had someone that was a reader that kind of lived a couple towns over. It was like, oh, well, at my church, they've got this group and maybe you want to join them because they do, uh, they would do quilts for like, the elderly people in the congregation, or they would, you know, make quilts for the seniors that were graduating high school, or they would just, you know, donate to the children's hospital. I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. Cause then I get to practice. I'm still making something that's going to a good home. I'm not just, the thing that I hate most is like practice pieces. I'm like, no, I don't want to just like waste fabric. I want to like do the thing, which leads me to occasionally some jacked up areas <laughs> on a quilt as I try something new. Mm-hmm. And so I got connected with this group and it was just kind of in talking to those women and learning. And there were some women that had been quilting for like 40, 50 years. And then there were some closer to my age mm-hmm. that were just kind of starting out. And I remember when I started my podcast, I named it Hip to Be a Square because I was like, I'm only doing squares. And look how many cool things I can do with just squares, y'all, because I'm not trying these triangles. That looks hard. Let alone curves. But you, sh- you, could, yeah. you, you would be good at curves because you sewed um, clothing before. Yeah. Well, I've I sold clothing before too. I so I sold a long time before I started quilting. So um, curves were never like the bane yeah, of my quilting it didn't existence. Freak me out. Right. Like, right. all right, it's a curve. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? I meant it seemed to be straight. Turned out curved. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was I had probably been quilting like three or four years before I took a class. Cause I kind of got to the point where the, that group in the church I'd been sewing with, like just got really focused on sewing for the congregation. And I didn't go to the church. And I was like, I don't know who these people are. We're sewing right. stuff for. Yeah. Maybe you should find a different group. Uh-huh. And so the modern quilt guilds had started popping up. But I found uh, the Atlanta chapter. And they had just started like a few months before. And I was like, oh, this sounds like women that are closer to my age. I don't know that I consider myself a modern quilter, but I like bright colors. I like to work with that. I wasn't really drawn to like the, you know, the calicos and the reproduction prints. Mm-hmm. And the first event that I saw that they were doing, so I'm in the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. And the geography is such that we've got this interstate called 285 that really just kind of surrounds the city. Mm-hmm. And you're either inside the perimeter person, like you live kind of in downtown or one of those areas, or you're an outside the perimeter person, you're in a suburb. And mm-hmm. I am an OTP or outside the perimeter. <laughs> And all their meetings were ITP. And uh, I was like, yes. I'm not driving uh-huh. ITP for this crazy thing. Because uh, Atlanta traffic's horrible. I'm in and Chicago, so, so we're the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I can't even. That's funny, because we're the same way. Ours, Yours is t- t- 284, you said? or t- 285. 285. Yeah. Ours is 294. 
that goes around oh. Chicago. Well, there you go. And it's the suburbs. Yeah. 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 It's always like stalking their, I don't know if it's a Facebook page or their webpage. I'm like, I got to find out if they're going to do anything outside the perimeter on like the north side of town where I was. <laughs> and they, they had like a sew-in set up at someone's house. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll just show up for that. And, and me being me, <laughs> I, I hate being late. I am scarily either on time or early. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm anxious enough that I won't get there early and then just sit in my car. Cause I think, Oh, they're going to think I'm a weirdo just sitting in my car <laughs> outside their house. And so I showed up like five minutes early to uh-huh. this woman that I had never met before. Uh-huh. And I'm like, got my singer sewing machine and a pile <laughs> of like Robin Pandolf fabrics, because that's what I had cut, mm-hmm. which were not modern fabrics. They're like shabby chic. And I'm like, hi, I'm here to sew. <laughs> She's like, Okay. And so I like set up my table and I just like started sewing and then other people trickled in and they're like, who's the new girl? (laughs) I was real awkward. I'm still really good friends with that woman to this day. Oh, that's good. (laughs) She's like, yeah, ever since you showed up to my house, we just fell to bond. I'm like, well, there you go. I'm glad you Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I know. (laughs) I was going to plunder my way in there anyway. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's yeah. You're well. I I showed up to some sewing groups without knowing anybody before, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I would be the one waiting in the car until someone else showed up. <laughs> there are points in my life that I look back and I'm like, you were very brave and you didn't know it. Like yes. when I moved 100 miles from home to go to college, and I was so shy and so withdrawn as a kid, and like just scared of everything, scared to talk to people, scared to tell people how I felt about anything. Mm -hmm. Like the one time I told my mom, I thought a shirt looked good. I had never said anything like that before. She bought me that shirt, turned out that shirt was the ugliest shirt I'd ever seen. (laughs) I just saw it from a distance, up close, hideous. And it was the eighties. So, you know, stuff got real bad. (laughs) And and I just, I kept so much stuff in it. And then I'm like, and yet I just was like, well, I'm going to move to Georgia to go to college. So goodbye. (laughs) Parents were like, what happened? <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And then like just showing up to Ray's house to be like, well, I'm here to sew and um, you can deal with it. <laughs> and it was like, what's, wow, weird. <laughs> How no, I'm just completely ignore the parts of my personality that are riddled with anxiety and just plunder through this. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, because um, I think you say that you're sort of an introvert, right? Yeah. For sure. I definitely am too. Um, but I've done stuff like that. Like you said, I, I, well, my excuse though and reason for going halfway across the country to university was I'm the oldest of six kids and I just needed to like you had to get out. Get yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, bye bye. <laughs> Smell you later. <laughs> Homesick? No. <laughs> I, I mean, I could tell it, it manifested because we went to the old spaghetti factory, which is like this downtown Atlanta restaurant, because I went to Georgia Tech, which is smack in the middle of downtown. Mm-hmm. And so my parents took me to the old spaghetti factory the night before they were going to leave. And I remember I was such a jerk about it. I was I, I, I like I was mad at them for leaving me at a college that I had chosen to go to. And so I was so mean to them at this oh. time. <laughs> I was like angry about the pasta choices. Oh. Like this cheese is weird. I can't believe you brought me here. Like ridiculous, like You're... full 18 year old drama. Yeah. You were having a hard time processing. <laughs> I was like, 
oh no, they're going to leave me and I'm going to be stuck with two women named Jennifer. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) They were all Jennifer back then, roommates. (laughs) I'm like, what have I done? (laughs) How will I even know how to get to class? Like, Mm. because this was before Google. So I'm like, what what building is this? Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, those were the days of like, pull out the paper map from your glove box. Yeah. To find anything. I think my I think what I think my dad may have laminated the campus map for me. <laughs> Drawing on dry erase markers, plotting out like if I have to leave by seven fourteen to get there on time. Like, oh, that was nice of him. Yeah. He uh you spend your life thinking you're turning into your mom and then you realize, oh, I'm turning into my dad. <laughs> it's an have a lot more common than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So Okay, so th- that that that's kind of started your um, kind of int- intro into like modern quilting. But with being adjacent group. to modern groups, yeah, yeah, I don't know that I necessarily have a style because I I'm the same way. Well, I don't. Know. I think about this, and I like I joined the Chicago Modern Quilt Guild um, very when I first was like I didn't even know what I was doing quilting wise. Yeah. And, um, and, and they were just starting too. So then I got a little just bit too, like, just shy and discouraged about it. So then I didn't rejoin again. And then uh, years later, I, I joined the individual and I'm still with like the individual now because, because they meet on Sundays and it's just a hard day for me to like, just break up the whole day and, you know, go for three hours. (laughs) Yeah. It could be a journey. And, and then it's like, oh, we got to do right, lunch. I right. don't want to do lunch. I want to go mm-hmm. back and sew. Yeah. But I love, I love the vibe and the energy that they have. Um, but again, like I'm not like, oh, like gung ho, um, you know, like ninety percent negative space and one. Yeah, the minimalist style. Minimalist. Like, I, right. I appreciate it. Right. I'm like, yeah. It's not me. I do. I mean, I think some things are really cool, but when when like when you're trying to find what your own style is, it's mm-hmm. like you try whatever here and there. And um, I finally am like, you know, I, I'm not traditional. I'm not modern. And um, I come, well, uh, my um, trade background is interior design. So what we call, we call mixing traditional with um, contemporary is transitional. So mm-hmm. that's how I call my quilting style. I'm transitional because See. I pull a little from each. Yeah. I think I've called myself a modern traditionalist because I, I like the precision of piecing and having points that match and like the accuracy, like Mm -hmm. now I don't always do it, Mm -hmm. but I like it when I do it. Sure. I feel better about it. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I just want to make a blanket. It's going to keep someone warm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm drawn to more of the brighter colors and sometimes more of the simpler palettes. And I think part of that for me at least is I have not, I don't know that I've had a lot of success when I'm trying to mix prints. And so when creating to fabric choices, it's a lot more tonals or solids. And I end up just like, oh, I'm I'm putting together a Granimals quilt because <laughs> this one, these all have giraffe tags, so they're going to go together. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've tried to get better about like, oh, let me, let me, let me be bold and have two prints in this quilt. And, yeah. 
And then there are times where I'm like, to heck with it. I'm just like pulling out my scrap stash and let me just sew some five inch squares together that all kind of fit this color family and see what happens. So I still experiment. And then I think, well, <laughs> this will keep someone warm in the dark. <laughs> and it won't matter. <laughs> they can always just turn it over and look at the back. Well, when you do that, do you end up liking the mixture of your scraps? As It, it how depends. You... If I approach it from, there's a fabric that I like that has many colors in it. And I just did this with um, a top that I made actually just a, a, about a week ago. I like picked a fat quarter that I had in my stash and it was like a teal background and it was a paisley print that had like yellows and reds and oranges and a little bit of green in it. And I had seen this pattern in a magazine and it's been a long time since I like saw a pattern in a magazine and I'm like, Oh, I want to make that. Cause I spent, you know, five years writing patterns and I was a little burned out and I'm like, I just want to follow someone else's directions and not think about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let me go, let me go make this thing that I saw in the magazine. Mm-hmm. And so I started with the fat quarter and so that helped me guide my color palette. And so when I started pulling in like other fat quarters and scraps to work with that, I'm like, all right, if I stick with teal, the yellow, the orange, the green, like it should work because some other designer got paid to put these colors together. They must know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) And then I get to experiment with like, all right, well, here's a print that has three of those colors. I think it'll still work. And so I start to like branch out that way. So when I can work from a palette and I'm still relying on fabric that's printed that way to define that palette. I think the next step for me is like, all right, well, let me look at a photo, kind of like photo seeds or one of those things that you find on Pinterest. You're like, Mm. oh, it's a beautiful photo. Mm -hmm. And here's the five primary colors in it. Mm -hmm. If I can start doing that, I think that is kind of my next step in growth in making colors work better together. Mm Because sometimes it just looks like clown vomit when I do it. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) oh, no, (laughs) this went very badly. (laughs) Well, I I think it is as long as you have the values mm-hmm. balance the the lights the mediums and the darks i don't yeah. think you can go that wrong unless you're really putting like you know weird colors together <laughs> yeah i've done some weird <laughs> in this the magazine pattern that i did it was i just picked white for the background and i know that's a very safe and expected thing but i'm like but i know it'll work mm-hmm. and i had thought like oh i could get a color and then i i went looking at my stash i didn't have enough of any one solid color to like use as the background i'm like but i have enough white and so i'm okay being in my comfort zone because it's been a really hard year <laughs> in 2020 <laughs> and so i don't think anyone's mm. going to be mad that i used white for a quilt background <laughs> no well, and I mean, I know stuff can get bad raps like that. You know, it's like people move on and like it's all about the charcoal backgrounds. And <laughs> but the white still like color and pattern contrasts yeah. off of it. Still pops. It looks nice. Yeah, yeah. I would have used black. I didn't have enough of that. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> so then, um, talk about like um, what. What do you like to do most? Do you like piecing? Um, do you like foundation paper piece? Is there a type of piecing that you like and you you favor most or it's just whatever you feel like yeah. doing? I think everything's a good idea when I start doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've done a lot of different techniques. Like I finally mm-hmm. learned how to hand applique circles that didn't have corners. Oh. And, yeah. Thank you, Karen K. Buckley, took her class. It was great. <laughs> bought the templates, bought this, like, have all my money 
because I can finally make a circle that doesn't have corners. Thank okay. goodness. Yeah. Um, now I've like hand appliqued one quilt and it's, you know, like yay big. I'm, you can't see my hands on the podcast. Um, it's like 20 inches square. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and only the center has the applique on it. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm glad that I know that technique because now I can, I can reverse applique a circle. I could uh, hand applique. I could do... Um, there's a Sharon Schomber technique that uses a special kind of interfacing. I could do a fusible. So like could do all those different mm-hmm. things. I think where I feel most satisfied with the creative vision, I enjoy the piecing. I think that's my favorite part mm-hmm. because that is where I tend to get into like the flow state mm-hmm. of like, I'm in the zone, I'm making a thing. Mm-hmm. There is clearly progress happening. Cause yeah. the, my brain just likes to check boxes. Like, Ooh, we're done with that part. We did another 20. We did another 20. We're done with this section. Now we can make blocks. Mm -hmm. And so that's what really engages the pleasure center of my brain when it comes to quilting. But I'm, I'm rarely purely satisfied with simply piecing. I like to add a dabble of applique or something fun or unexpected. Sometimes I'll just do something crazy on the back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes I will applique something on the front of the quilt just to elevate it a little bit. I love applique. I really do. I'm, I like to layer it in too. And, yeah. and even just that elemental, you know, you don't have to do the whole thing hand this, you know, stitched or whatever, even hand quilted, yeah. but just to, adding a little bit of it adds such a like dimension to the whole thing and elevates it to like, wow, <laughs> I did that. <laughs> yeah. And it looks and- pretty good. <laughs> And because I do so much, like when I've got leftover fabric, I just cut it up into different scrap sizes. So I have like mm-hmm. three and a half square, three and a half inch squares, five inch squares, like, and two inch squares are like my default sizes. And so when I go to start a new project, I have a lot of patterns that will use these different sizes. Or sometimes I will just say like, all right, well, let me just piece together a whole bunch of green squares into different blocks. And then I end up with like an all green background. Hmm. Well, that's kind of boring. And so then you need something like applique. And I had been cleaning yeah. out my closet over the two weeks that I had off around Christmas. Uh-huh. And I found some old notebooks from like when I was first quilting. And I, I had a lot of designs where I just sketched. I'd just written like, you know, green background. And then I had sketched like, I'll put a carousel horse on it. I'll put a penguin. I'll add an elephant. Like just different designs to mm-hmm. add a little something to it that were applique. And so I like bringing those two things together. But and I like I love a Baltimore album quilt. I don't oh, know that yeah. I'll ever make one. I know that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I love it too. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So I think I like mixing that stuff together. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good at quilting. I've taught free motion quilting. Oh. I have a, a sit down uh, handy quilter sweet sixteen. <gasps> How nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Ah, oh, uh, my cats love it too. <laughs> they like to just like sit on it and like go for little surf rides as I'm trying to quilt. Um, but I find. I will let quilt tops pile up because I'm so excited about the piecing or making mm-hmm. the top mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, I don't feel like quilting. And then I have to like go on a tear and like quilt three quilts all in a row, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of where I'm at right now. I have like three basted quilts and I'm like, Ooh, I got to quilt some of these this weekend. <laughs> They're piling up. <laughs> but then when you start the quilting of it, do you, are you like, what, why was I holding off on these? It's like, it's not that bad. I'm having fun. Yeah, I I find myself more adventurous with quilting patterns on smaller quilts um, because 
I think about half of the quilts that I make are still getting donated to DFACS through our, our guild. They work with, uh, they donate the kids that are just going into foster care. Okay. They maybe even taken from a home and they don't really have anything. And so they let the kids go and like pick out a quilt that's their quilt that stays with them, you know, mm-hmm. for as long as they, you know, still have it. And so because so much of the quilting that I'm doing is for that purpose, like they don't care about the stitches. They don't mm-hmm. care that I use a loop to loop instead of a stipple or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and depending on where my brain is at, if I'm like, yeah, I really want to get back to piecing. Like I will just do an all over meander and like knock it out in 45 minutes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I find when I'm doing like wall hangings or smaller pieces, that's when mm-hmm. I'm like, Ooh, let me bust out some rulers and do some mm-hmm. ruler work and then do some micro stippling and mm-hmm. do like a Harlequin pattern. And then I just go a little bananas on the smaller stuff. Okay. Yeah. And then it seems like you, um, you don't have that attachment to things that you make cause you give, you donate and give away a lot, which is really good. Cause I know, um, some it's, sometimes it's hard to yeah. put all that time and effort into something and then you're relinquishing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, when I first started quilting with that church group, everything I made was being donated yeah. and it was just a habit then. Uh-huh. And I think, I still have the first quilt that I made for myself, but I didn't make it until I'd been quilting for like four years. I didn't keep anything because I was either making it to donate to the shelter to auction off or I was donating it to the church group. Mm -hmm. And then we finally did like this mystery quilt as the group. And I was like, oh, I think I'm keeping this one. And oh, it was so intense. I'm like, what if I mess up the colors? I'm stuck with this quilt forever and then I'm going (laughs) to hate it. And my husband still uses it on the bed. And I'm like, all right. Simmer down. Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> and it's gotten to the point. You're your now, own like, worst customer. <laughs> like I've made so many quilts. Like in there are four, five quilts in the basket beside me right now. Oh, wow. And these are guest quilts. <laughs> there is a quilt I made from a block of the month program in 2012. And I just love the fabrics. Never actually used it. It just sits here rolled up in this in this basket. <laughs> <laughs> just no one's ever used it. So I have plenty of quilts in my house. See, but I don't. I, I, I we have oh. one that I made for my husband out of his uh, vintage rock T-shirts. It's oh, pretty fun. cool. Yeah, um, I did like um, the black background, but I made this um, applique uh, out of you know his shirts. With mm-hmm. he loves that Elvis TLC with the lightning bolt. So that's what I did: TLC and the lightning bolt. Okay, future me here. It is not TLC, it is TCB, which means taking care of business. So I don't know what I was thinking of TLC because that's a whole different group. But it's all like patched worked, you know, parts of his yeah. t-shirts. Um, yeah. And then the background are all the squares of, you know, the, the centers of the whatever yeah. the, the nirvanas and stuff like that yeah. um so that's the only quilt because i'm always making them for other people <laughs> so I, I every year i'm like i need a quilt <laughs> for me for this house for yeah. us i got in the habit of doing um body hunters annual mysteries for like mm-hmm. five years in a row and those are huge quilts they're all like at least full size mm-hmm. sometimes queen size And I made those for like five years in a row. And now I have like all these giant, like scrappy, very colorful quilts. So I'm like, 
that is the bulk of my living room. And then I would get to where like, oh, here's a new Kate Spain line of fabric. I love her designs. I just love the bright colors. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to make something for that. And then all, <laughs> all of a sudden now there's like 20 quilts in my living room. Oh I'm my like, gosh, you're I'm prolific. Gonna, I'm going to need yeah. to reel this in. Yeah. Like I had to build furniture just to hold. Them. <laughs> 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 I was like, we're going to need to get rid of these Legos kids because mama's got to store some more quilts in this cabinet. Yes. <laughs> support your habit. <laughs> Yeah. It's to the point where like, I can't make another quilt for myself, like, because we have so many. And it's so funny because I'll like make stuff and think like, oh, I'm just going to donate this. And my mom will see it. Like when Mm. I post it on Instagram, she's like, do you, do you have a home for that quilt? I'm like, (laughs) do you want it? And she has like 15 quilts now. And yet I'm still making her one for her birthday because I found fabric that I know she'll like. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, here's her 16th quilt, mom. Here you go. Oh, spoiler (laughs) alert, mom. You're getting a quilt for your birthday. It's been a couple weeks. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's fun, though. Um, Yeah. I I just, I enjoy making them and I'm going to keep making them. So I mm -hmm. might as well get used to giving them away or else I'm just going to have this entire room full of quilts that are going to do no one any good. I would rather than be out there. (laughs) Yeah. I would rather than be out in the world being loved and used and, you know, Uh, peed on and throwed up on and drug around and mm -hmm. loved and disintegrate because they made someone happy than me hoarding them, you know, in this basket just because (laughs) I like it. And and I honestly have never met a single person who would not love to get a quilt. I mean, teenager, kid, guys, you name it. They all, everyone loves a quilt. Yeah. Now, sometimes they're going to call it a blanket and like the fabric of on course. the back more than the front. And um, then you know yeah. they only get the one quilt. <laughs> and you're like, and you're done. Thank you. Enjoy it. You're never getting another one from me. Oh my gosh. I, I had to learn like how to wrap quilts to give to people because I used to wrap them so that the front of the quilt was folded to the inside. And when you opened it, the first thing you'd see would be the label. Oh, okay. And then I learned, oh no, then they think that's the front. Right. And they're so excited about the single fabric you put on the back. And you're like, (laughs) would you please turn it over and look at all the hard work? And so I finally figured out like how to fold them. So the front of the quilt is out, but I like fold the label corner back. Back. Yeah. Yeah. So then they like, there is a front and Mm -hmm. a back. Please like have the front. Yeah. That's funny. Did a one block wonder for a friend. I made it. And then she commented on Instagram that she liked it. I'm like, oh, please have it because I don't know what else I'm going to do with it. Um, But because it's a one block wonder, I had like the single panel on the back. Mm-hmm. A hole so you can kind of see what it was and and we work together and so I see it she keeps it on the back of her couch in mm-hmm. the background of all our video calls and she keeps it with the back <laughs> or facing out and I'm like girl what are you doing turn it around <laughs> I'm so glad you love it turn it around that's funny oh my gosh I think as people that aren't um you know like part of this whole quilting world they they think that a you know a blanket is a solid piece of fabric. They're not used to seeing like cut up beautiful mosaic designs or you know yeah. geometric whatever. Yeah, they're used to like a Walmart quilt where maybe it's right. printed to look like it's pieced, right. but it's not. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. We have a cat visitor joining us. By yeah, the way. I see that. This is Jet. <laughs> Jet. Jet Black. Yes, uh, his mother's name was Maria. So when you're a Jet, you're a Jet all the way. <laughs> 
He's not a shark. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> <laughs> not a shark. Um, Go bug your father. What are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> so what about, um, let's talk about binding. Do you have a certain, yes. like, you know, sometimes, do you like binding or is it like the bane of your quilting? I, li- I like being done with binding. Yeah. Uh, and like 90% of the quilts that I make, unless they're going to be hung in a show, get machine bound all the way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I cut my binding because I've been doing it long enough. I have like the math and the science down where I cut my binding to two and an eighth inches. Ooh. And I have never I, heard that. <laughs> so, because two and a quarter made it a little too chunky on the front. Huh. Um, so, cause I stitch it down on the back of the quilt uh-huh. and then I flip it to the front and I stitch it down on the front and my cat is grabbing the earbuds. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so it, because I know there are, you know, there are people that stitch it onto the front of the quilt, flip it to the back and stitch it down from the front. I just have this paranoia that I'm like totally oh, going to miss catching no, the No, I haven't heard that yet. Oh yeah. That's a different method. And then you can go real crazy and like glue it down with Elmer's glue because that washes <laughs> out. Not the glue all, but yeah, like I've the seen, I've glue. seen people do that. And I've done that, uh, but it's just not my favorite. Yeah. So I, I don't do a lot of quilts that have defined points on the outside edge because usually I will cover them up with binding because <laughs> I'm like, it's not an exact science sometimes. Uh, yeah. So I stitch mine on the back, bring it to the front and machine stitch it down because what I found at, even when I hand stitch bindings on quilts, like living room quilts that get washed a ton because there's pets and stuff on them and, you know, pizza, mm-hmm. <laughs> queso, maybe some wine um, because they get washed so much. Like my hand stitching was just not holding up when I was oh, hand stitching the bindings okay. down. Like the thread would snap and maybe mm-hmm. it was bad thread or maybe it was the washing or, or what. maybe I'm bad at hand stitching. <laughs> I'm not above thinking that's it too. Um, and I would like make king size quilts for my parents and hand stitch the binding down all the way. And my mom would be like, could you fix it when you come visit? Because it came loose. And I'm just like oh, mortified, really? like, oh no. And because I don't want people to think like they broke the quilt I gave them, I'm like, <laughs> I'll just machine stitch it down. Cause I know that will stick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not, um, gotten to a point where I, machine I can machine bind where I really totally love it I mean I I do it definitely for any baby quilt that I make but um I I I just have to I don't know because I do the whole stitch it on the back pull it around to the front but um and it looks nice on the front but then when you flip it over there's like a line of stitching like use a very heavily patterned backing fabric because that will uh, hide a multitude of sins yeah, yeah, no, sometimes I just don't care. It's like, well, whatever. Babies don't care. <laughs> that baby's oh, yeah. going to judge me. That's Come how at I'm me, like, baby. I yeah, I, I'm definitely of that mindset with the baby quilts. I'm like, they don't oh, yeah. care. Who cares? But for yeah. anything bigger or, you know, stuff that I do, I, I still like finish it by hand because it just looks the best. Um, but I want to, but it, it, you know, sometimes you want to get done with something and you got to move on and the hand binding can take, you know, like 10 hours for me at least because it's a big quilt. Like, you know, the problem that I run to, if I am having a large quilt that I'm hand binding, inevitably at least one or three animals is going to crawl inside of it as I'm stitching it. 
And I don't want to give people a quilt covered in cat hair because they may be allergic. And also it's rude because it looks used. (laughs) And I tend to wash my quilts before I give them to people just Mm -hmm. because I use 80-20 cotton batting Mm -hmm. or uh, cotton poly batting. And it tends to shrink up. And I've I've had the experience where I've given someone a quilt that I hadn't washed. And then I was like, I totally throw it in washer dryer. You know, I give them a little like sheet of like care tips if they've never had a quilt Mm -hmm. before. Um. And I've gotten like frantic emails or texts like, uh, the quilt is like really wrinkled and I think I broke it. And I'm like, it's fine. It's supposed to look like that. But it doesn't look like when you gave it to me. And so that oh, I, yeah. I, I inevitably will, because of pets, even though I do my best to keep cats off of stuff when I'm making it, like there's just cat hair in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I always wash the, the quilts before I give them away, either, you know, to defects or to friends or, to, you know, mm-hmm. friends with babies and stuff, knowing that, and I'm like, please wash it yourself too, because you mm-hmm. might like a different detergent, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, hand binding, there's going to, someone's going to think it's um, a fun spelunking activity and like go quilt diving <laughs> when I try to stitch it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really mind it, um, I, except for if I'm doing this on king quilts but um Ooh, yeah the king there's quilts, 17 corners but the king quilts i've done were commissions so uh, ah. they specified hand binding so that's yeah. why i'm like when i'm in the middle of those is when i think about i really need to perfect machine binding <laughs> <laughs> you know there are people and quilters that like only you just pay them to do the binding yeah there's one woman I know that lives in Minnesota and her business is just called the Binding Fairy. All wow. she does is bind quilts for people. Wow. <laughs> you have to really like that. I can't imagine yeah, just wanting she, to do just the binding part. She is into it. Part. And I'm like, I like wow. it because it means I'm done with it when I'm done with that part. <laughs> I actually, I, I like binding. I, I do like that part of the process. Um, the, the part I hate the most is the basting so yeah, that's the worst. That's the are worst you, for me. Are you pin basing or spray basting or? It depends. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do pin based a lot. Yeah. Um, that's my go-to. Yeah. Uh, I only spray based, I think, smaller quilts. Yeah. Um, same. I use mm-hmm. my spray basting for like postcards and then like mm-hmm. 24 inch or less wall hangings. Cause yeah, cause, I'm not going to spray it in my house, but yeah. I'm also not going to take a quilt top outside. I have to have like the card, real gross. Like, I'll yes. put that cardboard wall around what yeah. I'm spraying, or like you said, outside. But yeah, um, yeah I, I've gotten pretty good at pin basting. So and that really clever quick tool, you know, where you can... Yes, the quick uh, clip thing. Quick clip. Oh, that's amazing. That yes. it, You can go pretty fast with that thing. So Yeah. Now, are you laying yours out like on a floor or do you no. have it set up on a table? Yeah. Table. I did. Okay. I did one on the floor, and I was like, "I might be too old for, the, for that now." This is for I've the done birds. It. I I can't. <laughs> I find myself getting a really strong core workout because I so <laughs> don't want to like move my knees because I've yeah kneeled it's, on a. It's like an extended before. game of Twister, it's, and you're like all like contorted and sore and. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, so many parts of me are droopier than I thought. When I'm like, oh, this is not flattering. And my husband comes in and I'm like, butt up, like <laughs> stretched with safety pins, cursing to myself. And he's like, what are you doing? Right. Like, well, yeah, no, I do it on my work table for sure. I mean, yeah, I have like 
three of them. Like I'll get a pile mm-hmm. up of quilt tops where I'm like, I'll space three quilts at a time by the third one. I'm just so over it. Yeah. I mean, I saw this one demonstration of like how you're supposed to base the quilt. And um, I mean, like she, hand width apart. And I'm like, I ain't got time for that. took the tape and you have the tape down so and you've taught it's got to be taught and perfect you know the the background fabric and then you're layering this and that I mean it just took forever first of all and and her sample was small yeah <laughs> it's like if forever. it's going in a show and I'm hoping to win like ten thousand dollars in prize money sure yeah if it's for something's gonna get peed on no yeah. <laughs> uh, right I mean I, and I I understand that it's, I guess it's to eliminate like any, um, you know, pleating or folds or getting, yes. you know, tucked in. But yeah. honestly, knock on wood, I've, I haven't had a, a ton of issues with that, with just simple I, pin basting on the table. On yeah, but nowadays it's rare. It'll only be like at the very edge of the quilt and it's because right. like, yeah. the fabric got folded, mm-hmm. like legitimately folded, not just pleated. Right, like, right. Dang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. We're we're cool on that. <laughs> oh, were we gonna rumble if we didn't agree? No, Did I miss that? no. Okay, <laughs> but I don't know. I do never know. People just do things so differently, yeah. and I I'm fine. I don't care how anybody does anything. I'm yeah, not do like, what works for you. I'm not the quilt police, so and I am not showing up to your house and judging you <laughs> for how you quilt. Like, all right, exactly. if it makes you happy. Please do it. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, I'm so curious to see how p- people do things. I mean, because sometimes not here and there, I'll pick up something cool and yeah. and go with it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't just stick to like the one little thing. Um, yeah. So I have to tell you though, the very first time I um, heard of Franken batting was from you <laughs> on your podcast, <laughs> and it was so cool. And I, I didn't know that you could do that with your batting scraps. Yeah. And I did it. Like, I was like, I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm putting it together and doing the zigzag. And it's yeah. amazing. I yeah. love it. Yeah. It's, it, I do it with the cotton and the collie pot and blends. I have, I don't, I tried it once with like just wool batting. That did not go well. Cause then it just like it's mashed it and made this weird like scar in the oh. middle of it. Like that was <laughs> Um, but it works really well for like cotton or cotton yeah. blend battings. But yeah, mm-hmm. you just like butt them up together and you do the widest zigzag you can. Mm-hmm. And they sell like fancy tape I that's know. fusible. But like, I don't want extra chemicals in there if I don't need it or extra glue because you never know. Or an like, extra oh, step. <laughs> yeah. Well, in 15 years, is that going to age badly? And now it oh, crackles or something. Oh, do you mean like you just put the tape on there and don't stitch it? It's just held it's together like by the tape? It's like fusible tape. Oh, It's like yeah. fabric-backed fusible tape, but it's a glue product. Uh, and and then you could run into, like, if you're a real chemical engineering nerd, then you're like, ooh, well, what is the <laughs> melting point of that compared to the batting? And yeah, anyway, so stuff can go sideways. So I'm oh, like, thread, yeah. thread is meant to go in quilt, so I will just use thread. Yeah, and it's so easy. Yeah. And and I have like Franken batted some pieces. Like sometimes it's just two big pieces that got mm-hmm. cut off because mm-hmm. I tend to buy like the big roll of batting yeah. and then just, you know, have some lop off ends that get stitched together. Uh-huh. But I, <laughs> there are some points where I just like open up the drawer where I keep the batting scraps and I'm like, not today, Satan. And I like clean out the whole thing. <laughs> and now I've stitched together like two inch, <laughs> two by three inch squares to like three by four inch squares. And then it's just like this 
crazy looking like, oh, this, I maybe oh, should have wow. thrown these scraps away. Like I'm not as bad at that anymore <laughs> to save that smaller thing. Cause now yeah. I'm like, well, if it'll fit a postcard, all right, I'll leave it that size and, you know, chuck it in the postcard bin. Um, but everything else is typically like long strips yeah, that are like, you know, four inches or more and then like by well, 70 inches. Right. Right. And I'm like, hmm. yeah. And I've done some where I've like trimmed them down to do like the, um, the jelly roll rugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Frank and Batty, man, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it's really cool. <laughs> and it, it feels good to like, not like have all that waste. And you're just like, what do I do with this? Like, you know, nine by, you know, 59 piece of, of batting. It's, it just yeah. seems like too much. I mean, I could definitely part with like a two inch square piece of batting. <laughs> Or even like yeah, a seven inch square. I got over myself. I got over myself. <laughs> but those other pieces. So I, I think it's really cool that um, I learned that from you and your podcast <laughs> and have been able to salvage my batting scraps. Yeah. Do you prefer, do you prefer like a cotton poly blend batting or what is your go-to batting? I do. I find like a hundred percent cotton batting to me, it just, it's a little too weighty. I like a little bit of loft to it. Yeah. And I get that with the 80, 20 blend. Um, I've done 50, 50 blends. I haven't really seen much of a difference between that and the 80, 20. Um, I do do one. Oh, sorry. I I find the Pellon brand like Uh, is nice and fluffy. It feels more like a poly, Uh, um, but it's still got the cotton in it. But I also like the warm and natural brand too. And, you know, just, I don't like whatever's on sale, like honestly, because I'm buying a big honk and roll of it. Yeah. yeah. And if I'm, I mean, that's like a couple hundred dollars that's going to last me a couple months that I'm like, "Mm, (laughs) don't go too crazy. But like also (laughs) it's not some Bobo brand, you know, it's a company I've heard of before, you know, (laughs) Yeah. Um, do you, do you just do the one layer or do you double them up or? I've done some more I've doubled up, but if I do, it's, uh, like the 80, 20 blend on the bottom and like a wool or a poly on top. So I get some loft and I can do like a trapunto mm-hmm. technique. And then it doesn't get like super heavy too. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that is like, oh, it's for a show quilt. It's not like a bed quilt. I don't know that I've ever double batted a, like a bed or a Long, long armors seem to like to do that because um, on on a commissioned quilt that I made, it was a king size. And that was the first time I've ever heard of doubling up batting. They were like, they were like, you have to double layer this. Uh, and it's like, you, do you want to do it with the 80-20? Or, so we did 80-20 with one layer of cotton. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I did it, but. <laughs> I think it's mechanically a lot easier to do when I think of me trying to haul a double batted king size quilt through a sweet 16, mm-hmm. I just, my arms are going to fall off. Like I'm going to be so hunched up and ugh, like I can't. Right. <laughs> I can't. Well, and then, and then, it, you know, the, the real truth revealed itself of like long, this long armor, he, um, you know, wants the stitching to show up. So that's why they like to double bat it yeah. and have like that poly cotton layer mm-hmm. Yeah, because you that. get that lofty bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and the quilting does look nice with it. But I, I wasn't sure I loved the the weight <laughs> it's of that king size. in gravity. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I say that knowing I sleep under three quilts. Like, mm-hmm. because there's no double batting. It's just three quilts. Right. So there's, there's like the yeah. king size quilt that we share. And then my husband has 
another quilt that he puts on top of that. And then on my side, I have another quilt. And then I have the the fuzzy blanket with the kittens printed on it and the basket that my dad got me when I was 10. <laughs> and like this thing is pro- it's probably never going to disintegrate uh-huh. because it's strictly polyester right. and like from Kmart or something. Yeah. Just like, yeah. But, you know, I just had to wash it today because this one threw up on it <laughs> last night Aww. at like 3 a.m. So I'm like, well, thank you. But like one day I bet I will have to get rid of it and that will be very sad. Yeah. And then I will just have three quilts instead of two quilts and a blanket on my side of the bed. <laughs> the, my dog loves the, um, the, the fleece, the soft fleece like and, the, the and the faux yeah. Sherpa. He yes. loves the faux Sherpa. Oh, yeah. I know. It's just funny. So I do have that on top of the bed, too, because he just just loves it. He won't even he has this chair in our living room. That's just his chair. So if somebody sits in there, he'll go up to you and like stare at you like, what are you doing in my chair? Yeah. (laughs) But uh, if his if his Sherpa blanket is not in there, he'll kind of like sit there and look at us like, hello. (laughs) I did not sign up for this. God forbid he lay on the floor like a dog, a real dog. Oh, heck no. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> when it's like, oh, let's tidy up the living room. And, you know, because it would just, it turned into a blanket swamp mm-hmm. over like the holiday break of like just eight quilts spread out on couches, chairs, floors. And I was like, oh, tidy up. So I was like, you know, folded stuff, I'll roll it up and stick it in the basket. So it looks pretty. And then there's like, just, it's just the couch with two pillows on it and the Fred got up on it. He just looked very sad, like, <laughs> behold, the desert <laughs> that I must sleep on. Yes. Like, calm down. Woe is me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pets are the best. I love them. Well, Pam, thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but I, I am sad that you are, you are, um, you know, Stopping your podcast, but I un- I totally understand it just because, you know, it's I understand what goes into it. And you've I don't know. I just feel like you, you you've done it for so long and you're allowed. Yeah. <laughs> you're allowed to walk her. away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of like when you think of changing your day job and it's like, oh, it is a career change mm-hmm. of a sort of like, mm-hmm. oh, well, look at me just being a hobbyist now. Yeah. <laughs> Start to enjoy to buy things my again. fabric full price like everyone else instead of having industry <laughs> connections. <laughs> You're going to be a muggle again now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but to, but you're going to – it sounds like you're already enjoying it. So it was the right yeah. thing to do. Yeah. And, um, well, you're still out there on Instagram and stuff. So we, oh, can, yeah. we can still kind of like chime in and say hello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> back on your podcast if you have me and talk about something else absolutely yeah i'll have you on anytime that's so cool so much fun we i have a feeling we would always have something to talk about because uh, yeah we haven't stopped yet so <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so much i really appreciate you taking the time um to be on here and um we'll talk again yeah sounds great thank you again for having me all right bye-bye bye If you would like a bonus episode every month, become a patron and support the Make and Decorate podcast show at my Patreon page, Make and Decorate. The Make and Decorate podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Stephanie Socha. Visit my podcast page at 
makeanddecorate.com. Become a patron and support the Make and Decorate podcast show at my Patreon page, Make and Decorate. 